You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the worst day of my life. Special Look, when you happen. have the number one pick in the draft and the number two pick in the draft to pair with Roshan Johnson, you're going to the Super Bowl. No doubt. No doubt. Carolina lost. We lost. Tank City. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that A. Do you remember what I told you about Chicago Bears fans and that all the bravado was 10 miles wide and an inch deep? There you go. One, they were booing. Boop. Hi, by the way, this is Packers won. <laughs> Yay, Packers. I just want to address the intro there. They were booing in the second quarter. Booing in the second quarter. And now with this loss, they're talking about we're going to get the number one and number two picks and we're going to go to the Super Bowl because that certainly worked out last time, like five minutes ago when you had the number one pick. They're, 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 they're talking about tanking already. This is, this is going to be such a great week. Anyways, welcome into the show. It is the very first Victory Monday of the season. It is one of the best... Vic- In fact, this might be the best Victory Monday um, as, as far as week one Victory Mondays of this podcast. This podcast's history. I think it has to be. Um, a few years ago, we had a pretty big win, which is nice, but it wasn't this. Green Bay Packers with no Aaron Rodgers. We lo- Did you guys know, by the way, this is a stat that I don't think has been brought up yet. The Green Bay Packers lost a Hall of Famer. I, I know that very obviously that if you lose a Hall of Famer, not like he was last year, but like at any point in his career... He was good enough to be, in the future, considered a Hall of Famer. If that person who is expected to go into the Hall of Famer based on what they did in the past, if they leave, um, you're done. It's it's over. And uh, not, not only will you be bad this year, but you have about a decade of poor play. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like science, except it's more like science fiction because it's dealing with curses and things that aren't real and... Honestly, it's less scientific than than curses because I don't even think that much thought was put into it. 
But um, for whatever reason, it's taken a little while to kick in. It's uh, the curse of the losing the Hall of Famer. It's gonna. It's probably gonna kick in next week because right now. The Packers just beat the living daylights out of the Bears 38 to 20. And let's be honest. Can we be honest? We're friends. 38 to 14. That last one was a garbage time touchdown. I know there was four minutes left, and it seems weird to call four minutes left garbage time, but it was. And I gotta be honest, man, I I I don't remember the last time I was this excited. And I I think this is kind of what we've been talking about. This is a little bit what we've been talking about. If if we had done this with Aaron Rodgers, it would have been cool. It would not have felt like this. If if Aaron Rodgers was still here and we beat the Bears 38-20, it would just be, ha, 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 we did it. You guys suck. All right, on to next week. Oh, man, I hope we're not going to lose in the playoffs this year, blah, blah, blah. Dude, the fact that Rodgers is gone, the fact that there's questions about a new era, the fact that there's, you know, what, what do we have in love? And, and, and to be honest, it's not just the fans. I don't know if you've seen... What's going on in this locker room? I have never, ever, 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 ever witnessed a Packers locker room looking the way that it is. Ever. The, the locker room speech that Matt LaFleur gave, it's, it's kind of, I'd play it, but it's kind of visual. But, man, they gave the first game ball to Kenny Clark because his dad was in attendance. I didn't even know that. His dad, for the first time ever, attended a, a game where he got to watch Kenny Clark. I... I I want to get choked up just just saying it right now. And you could tell he was emotional. He was excited about it. He got the game ball. But man, then they gave a second game ball to Jordan Love, and that locker room freaking erupted. They went crazy. There's another clip that you maybe have seen. Jordan Love's about to give an interview, and Rashawn Gary is losing his mind. He's screaming at him, hyping him up, basically saying, you know, tell him. Talk your stuff or whatever, whatever he said. But again, you got to see. It's just... They are so, first of all, 100,000% behind Jordan Love. They freaking adore this guy. They will, when I played that clip, and it gave me massive chills, when I played a clip of Devondre Campbell saying, I'd go to war with him any day, you see it in this team, and you see their excitement. They're... The Packer fans are, 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 excuse me, Packer players are excited to win, no doubt about it. This is about Jordan Love. They're excited for Jordan Love. They're celebrating Jordan Love. This was a special victory. It's different. It's just different. And, and yes, it's temporary. If, if Jordan Love's here for 20 years, it's not going to continue to be different. But because it's new, because we don't know, because of, and, and, and honestly, this is a culmination of such an unbelievably long journey. How many years has this guy been crapped on by everybody in the world, including a, a maybe small portion of the fan base, but a very loud portion of the fan base that wants nothing to do with Jordan Love, that have trashed him because of their disdain for Brian Gutekunst. They have, they have just decided that Jordan Love is a terrible quarterback. And I'm going to go through some of his statistics, and, and although it wasn't perfect, it's, there are a couple mind-blowing statistics here. But let's let's uh, let's slow down. Let's go through the uh, general stats of the game, et cetera, et cetera. What all actually happened and whatnot. I want to start off with the old PFF uh, recap because why not? The Green Bay Packers dominated the Chicago Bears in the trenches on both sides of the ball. A recurrent theme of the last decade. 
Both young quarterbacks made plays and missed opportunities, but Green Bay had Chicago fans booing early in the second half in what was a complete blowout. Offensive spotlight, Packers running back Aaron Jones was untouchable through the air and on the ground before leaving with a hamstring injury. Jones took nine carries for 41 yards and a touchdown and tacked on two receptions for 86 yards and another score. The receiving touchdown came on a fourth and three where Jones left Bears linebacker TJ Edwards in his wake right off the line. Gee golly, you hate to hear that, don't you? Defensive spotlight. Packers 2022 first-round pick linebacker Quay Walker looked like a natural ball carrier as he broke a few tackles on a pick six to pretty much ice this football game. Unfortunately, Walker left the game with a potential concussion, suffered from uh, rookie tackle Darnell Wright. Rookie spotlight. The Green Bay Packers rookie wide receiver Jaden Reed caught two passes for 48 yards, and rookie tight end Luke Musgrave caught three passes for 50 yards, both showing serious speed in space. Reed also had a 35-yard punt return in that game uh, that gave Green Bay a short field for an eventual touchdown drive. All right, let's go through a couple different stats here. Jordan Love was 15 of 27 for 245 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 51 yards was his longest pass, was sacked once, and had a passer rating of 123.2. In the second half, by the way, we know the, uh, the, the reputation of Jordan Love is that he gets off to a slow start and picks it up as time goes on. In the second half, he was 8 of 11 for 164 yards and two touchdowns with a 154.4 passer rating. Jordan Love had an EPA per play of 0.55. Now, just so we're clear on what exactly that means, I've explained numerous times what EPA is. It's after a play, how much did the jump in your expected points go up? So when, the, when we start, you're expected to get like three points. At the end of a play for Jordan Love, you're expected to get 3.55 points. For reference, if you look at EPA per play leader last year, Pat Mahomes, he was at .306. Now, I'm sure Pat Mahomes had some .55 games, but I'm just saying, just so we're clear how good that is. And here's the thing. It's not hard to understand why. I mentioned one of the stats before that really is also quite shocking, and that is 9.1 yards per attempt. 9.1 yards per attempt. The leader in yards per attempt last year was Tua Tungavailoa at 8.9 yards per attempt. His average depth of target for Mr. Dink and Dunk Jordan Love that apparently only throws screen passes according to to Bears fans, his average depth of target, 10.2 yards. That ties Josh Allen who was second in average depth of target last year. Marcus Mariota was the only quarterback who had a higher average depth of target. Now, to be fair, it wasn't all positive. Uh, The success rate for Jordan Love was uh, 37%. Also, his CPOE, which is uh, completion percentage over expectation, was minus 5.5. It was 5.5% less than it should have been. His expected completion percentage was 61.1%. He completed 55.6% of his passes. And honestly, we saw that. We did see a couple errant throws. And they could have been blaming some of the Musgrave stuff, which might have been his fault anyways. I don't know if Musgrave kept running. He would have caught that. I don't know. But here's my thought, honestly, overall about that. It wasn't the total volume that mattered. It, It was the quality. It was the quality over the quantity. 
He didn't complete as many passes as he should have. His CPOE, which is a solid stat, was bad. But what were those completions? Well, first of all, they were nine-yard completions per attempt. Second of all, very, very important, converting third downs, converting fourth downs. Oh, and by the way, three for three in the red zone. So yes, I would love to see that 55.6% get up to 61.1% if that is the expected completion percentage. But the quality is what really matters. I mentioned this before. I've mentioned this numerous times, in fact, that the most impressive thing to me is that through the preseason, the Packers in the red zone have been unstoppable. And that is an unbelievably important thing. The most impressive thing to me was by the end of this, how confident I was. Even on third and longs, it wasn't just like they're doing a good job converting these third downs, which happened to be like third and fours. These were long third downs that were converted. Critical. The touchdown pass to Aaron Jones, which Bears fans are, oh, that was, oh yeah, a quick little slant pass. No, no, it wasn't a great highlight throw from the standpoint of like difficulty. I mean, it was a good read. It was a good pass. That was a fourth down. We converted a fourth down. That's critical, which, by the way, went for a touchdown, 55 yards or whatever it was. Here's a tweet from Ryan Wood. He says, what Jordan Love did to the Bears on third and fourth down had to be demoralizing. He was 8 of 10 for 141 yards, two touchdowns, a perfect 158.3 passer rating. There was an eight-yard touchdown to Romeo Dobbs on third and goal, 30 yards to Jaden Reed on third and 10, and a 35-yard touchdown to Aaron Jones on fourth and three. And it's not, I mean, forget the demoralizing thing. That's just a little bonus, the fact that it happens to demoralize the Bears. What matters is how critically important, the, the difference between this team continuing to be elite, which is what it was in this game, and this game being a complete fluke, is their ability to sustain this level of success in critical situations. If you can maintain this level of success on third downs, but not just third downs, that includes third and longs. If you can be that clutch in these situations, fourth downs, and red zone especially, a high success rate in the red zone very obviously is going to have a really, really major impact on the quality of your offense. It's not just plays. It's not just yards. In fact, if we look at it, the Bears actually won time of possession. The Bears ran 10 more plays than we did, and the Bears only got about uh, 18 less yards than we did, and we won 38 to 20. The difference between the two is the quality. Congratulations on your big play that ended up materializing into a field goal, or a punt later on, or a fumble, or an interception. Being able to make a clutch play when the, when 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 it matters the absolute most, that is what impressed me the most in this game. And Jordan Love played a major piece in that. Yes, Matt LaFleur was also massive in that. Maybe the most important piece in that. And you got Aaron Jones running great routes. And you got Jaden Reed coming up clutch. And you got Romeo Dobbs coming up with a big touchdown reception. But Jordan Love is the one that has to stand in and execute. He has to know the play. He has to know the design. He has to read the defense. He has to... It, Understand where his eyes need to be based on where the defense is. He needs to see the right person. He needs to know when to throw. And he needs to throw a good ball. And he was able to consistently do that every single time. In fact, I, let, let me break it down for you this way. 
If you look at EPA per play or success rate and compare it, the Chicago Bears were better on early downs. On first and second down, the Chicago Bears had an EPA per play of 0.07 and a success rate of 47%. The Packers were negative 0.17 and a success rate of just 29%. On third and fourth down, the Bears had an EPA per play of negative 1.13, very negative, and a success rate of just 20%. The Packers, 0.92, almost, almost a point per play and a success rate of 56%. First down percentage on third and fourth down, the Bears, 27%, the Packers, 56%. And that's especially true on passing. Running the ball, the Packers had an EPA per play of zero. Success rate, 50%, just right down the middle. They had three plays, three successful, three not. Passing for the Packers. They had an EPA per play on third and fourth down of 1.38 and a success rate of 58%. First down, 58%, which makes sense. Third and fourth down, success is a first down. 58%. The Bears just 25%. That's the difference. They were better on first and second down. We were better on third and fourth down. We kicked the crap out of them. As for Justin Fields, 24 of 37, 216 yards. He cracked 200. Good for him. 5.8 yards per attempt, a touchdown, a horrific pick. 23 yards was his longest pass, was sacked four times, and had a passer rating of 78.2. Anyways, we'll get on to some of the other positions. Why don't we take a quick break right here? Please check out Old Southern Barbecue at oldsouthernbbq.com. Please remember to check out their uh, rubs and their barbecue sauces. If you use promo code PACKERNET15, that's capital P, capital N, PACKERNET15, you get 15% off your order. Or if you'd rather just have them do it for you, they've got catering. I'm just saying, I know it's probably something you never considered before, but it's something to think about. You want to throw a big old bash at your place, have a bunch of people over, you should just give them a call and see uh, see what they'd be willing to do. I don't know their exact radius. I was told, basically, um, if you're willing to pay enough, <laughs> they're willing to bring you the food, so... Check it out. If nothing else, just check out OldSouthernBBQ.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, looking at the running, Aaron Jones, nine carries, 41 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Jordan Love, three carries, 12 yards. Jaden Reed, one carry, minus two yards. A.J. Dillon, 13 carries, 19 yards, 1.5 yards per attempt. Patrick Taylor, five carries, 22 yards, 4.4 yards per attempt. Now, I don't know exactly what to make of the A.J. Dillon situation. This is obviously brutal, 1.5 yards per attempt. I genuinely think the run blocking looked terrible. However, Aaron Jones, 4.6. Jordan Love, 4. Patrick Taylor, 4.4. I know Aaron Jones is something special, but Patrick Taylor could do it. He might have had to break to the outside because there was nothing there. But I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn. On, on one hand, I'm constantly frustrated with the offensive line. On the other hand, I feel like something should be better. And, and something else to note is that I always, always, always blamed our offensive line. Constantly. Before we had good running backs. Pre-Eddie Lacy. I always thought, what's the point in getting a running back? There's nowhere to go. Granted, from our TV angle, you can't really see very much. That's why sometimes you go back and watch, if you can watch the uh, end zone cams or whatever later on, maybe you get a different perspective. But when we drafted Eddie Lacy and suddenly he starts getting four, five, six-yard runs, I'm thinking, we never used to do that before. Maybe it wasn't the offensive line's fault. I don't know. I don't know. But this is a terrible showing. And um, I will withhold judgment for now. And actually, I forgot about our friends over at uh, Next Gen Stats. They have rush yards over expected. I don't know exactly how these things are calculated. I'm guessing it's all computerized because they're, you know, can kind of see where everybody is on the field. His rush yards over expected was negative 21. He had 13 attempts for 19 yards. So basically, he was expected to get 40 yards. Now, that's still less than ideal. In other words, Next Gen Stats says if he had picked up every single yard that you would expect a guy to get in his situation. He's only getting three yards per carry. So he's still in a suboptimal situation. So I think it is a blocking issue. However, even still, he underperformed. So it's like a negative on top of a negative. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll call that conclusive. He had a terrible day. Uh, since I forgot, let just real quick run through a couple of quarterback stats according to next-gen stats. Completed air yards. By the way, air yards, how far it traveled, not yards after the catch. So any Bears fan that's like, oh, yeah, it's all yards after the catch. Um, 6.4, which ranks 7th. Fields was the 8th lowest. Intended air yards. Jordan Love ranked 5th at 10. Fields had the 2nd lowest at 3.3. So when he threw a pass, on average, it was 3.3 yards. Aggressiveness. Jordan Love ranked 3rd, 22.2%. Justin Fields dead last, 2.7%. That just goes to show the difference. Jordan Love has not played a single game as the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and they cut him loose. Justin Fields is going into year three, and it was the least aggressive by a mile, by the way. Russell Wilson was close at 2.9. So Justin Fields, 2.7%. Russell Wilson, 2.9%. After that, jumps up to 5.1%, which, by the way, is Pat Mahomes. Longest completion. Jordan Love had the sixth longest completion at 43.3. That's not total yards. That's air yards. That doesn't count the yards after the catch. It's just how far the ball traveled. Air yards to the sticks. 
This is how far the ball traveled relative to how far you need to go for a first down. Jordan Love had the fourth highest at 1.5. Justin Fields was the second lowest at minus 6.9. The lowest, by the way, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, will be facing next week. Getting back to running backs. A.J. Dillon, not a great day. Aaron Jones, legitimately one of the better games I remember him playing. We've already talked about what we've talked about. Let's look at some of the next-gen stats here. Fastest ball carrier was Tyreek Hill. He had one play of 21.66 and one play of 21.52. The next high, the next fastest player was Aaron Jones. He ran 21.48 miles per hour. I didn't think he could run that fast. On his big 35-yard touchdown reception, 21.48 miles per hour he hit. And he did it again. On his 51-yard reception, he hit 20.39 miles per hour. He cracked 20 twice. He had the third fastest and eighth fastest um, speed of any player this week. The only Green Bay Packers, by the way, Luke Musgrave's on the team. Uh, Jaden Reed's on the team. Romeo Dobbs is on the team. Nobody was as fast as Aaron Jones. Longest plays, Aaron Jones had the fifth longest play. Total distance, 76.3 yards on his 51-yard reception. Also, seventh longest play, Jaden Reed, 74.7. Eighth longest play, Quay Walker, 72.4. Fastest sack, we got Devontae Wyatt coming in 11th. Improbable completions, Jordan Love had uh, one come in 12th, his four-yard touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. They had it at just a 31.5% chance that gets completed. Incredible yards after the catch, number one, Aaron Jones. His expected yards after the catch was 19 yards. He got 55 yards, 37 over. The next highest was 28. That was his touchdown. He was expected to get 19 yards after the catch on that. Aaron Jones was unbelievable in this game. I mean, legitimately just freaking unbelievable. He had an EPA per play of .43. I don't know, but I have to assume for a running back, that's pretty crazy. Remember, Pat Mahomes is like .3 for the season in 2022. Jordan Love as a quarterback, .55. Aaron Jones, .43. Per attempt, .43. But it gets better. As a receiver, that's just as a runner. As a receiver, Aaron Jones, 2.1 EPA per play. As a runner, he had a success rate of 78%. So 78% of the time when you gave him the ball as a runner, he had a play that would be considered or deemed a success, which is like four yards on first down, first down on like third and fourth down, et cetera, et cetera. 78% and 50% as a receiver. 33% of his rushes went for first downs. 50% of his receptions went for first downs. Really just awesome stuff. The other guys, uh, A.J. Dillon, negative 0.47 EPA per play. Patrick Taylor, actually negative 0.55, a lower EPA per rush. A.J. Dillon had a success rate of just 15%. Patrick Taylor was 20%. Aaron Jones, man, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking unbelievable, that guy. All right, receivers. Aaron Jones, four targets, two receptions. 86 yards and a touchdown. Romeo Dobbs, five targets, four receptions, 26 yards, two touchdowns. Luke Musgrave, 4-350. Jaden Reed, 5-248. A.J. Dillon, 3-217. Samori Ture, 3-218. Dontavian Wicks, two targets, zero receptions. Malik Heath, one target, zero receptions. By the way, another really cool thing that made this game special, on top of everything else, 
I had mentioned that my son's first fantasy football league, he's, he's in the league um, with me. This is his first time he's obsessed with it. He's, he's got to check every second, and he loves it. Two touchdowns for Aaron Jones, two touchdowns for Romeo Dobbs in this game. I have Romeo Dobbs. He has Aaron Jones on his team. This was a fun game. A um, couple things of note here. Next-gen stats. Targeted air yards. Number one, Jaden Reed at 18.4. How far did the ball travel when you were targeted? Jaden Reed's number one. Hilariously, you know how we heard yards after the catch is what the Chicago Bears do? You know who is number two in yards after the catch per reception? Jaden Reed. 9.9 yards after the catch per reception. So much for those yak monsters in Chicago. Uh, Looking at some of the advanced metrics, EPA per play, highest, as I mentioned, was Aaron Jones. Also really high, though. Makes sense because of the touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs, 1.23 EPA per play on uh, passing targets. After that was Luke Musgrave, 0.56. Dylan, 0.43. Ture, 0.42. Jaden Reed, 0.24. Then you had a negative 0.46 for Wicks, negative 0.55 for Heath. Highest success rate was actually A.J. Dillon at 67%, all the way down from there. Then we got the defense. Boy, oh boy, the defense. Let's see what we got here. Quay Walker, four tackles, one tackle for a loss, one pick that went for a 37-yard touchdown, also a pass deflection. Although, I don't know if that's also or includes that. I don't know. It's probably the interception. Razul, eight tackles and a pass deflection. Devontae Wyatt had three tackles, 1.5 sacks, two tackles for a loss. Darnell Savage led the team in tackles with 10, including a tackle for a loss. Keyshawn Nixon, eight tackles, one tackle for a loss. Kenny Clark had just two tackles, but one of those was a half sack. He also forced a fumble. Lucas Van Ness, just two tackles. One of them was a sack. Carl Brooks, one tackle. It was a sack. He also had Jair Alexander with three tackles and a pass deflection. Kingsley Enigbare had a pass deflection. And TJ Slayton had a pass deflection. That's a whole lot of stuff going on there. Looking at some of the next-gen stats stuff here. Average separation from the quarterback. So how far away was the guy from the quarterback when he threw the pass? On average, the league average is 4.57 yards away. The only guy who was further away than that of the four listed here was Kingsley and Igbari at 4.65, basically league average. After that is Lucas Van Ness at 3.97, Colby Wooden at 3.94, and then Kenny Clark at 3.89. Also, forgot to mention this, this is freaking fantastic, and I hope that this continues. They uh, got a little spider chart here. League average uh, receiver separation is 2.94 yards. Most of our guys had less than that. Jaden Reed, 2.79 yards of separation. That's pretty much league average. Romeo Dobbs, 2.57, a little bit under. The worst was Duntavian Wicks, just 1.1 yards. He was blanketed all day. Samori Turi was above the league average by a decent margin, 3.55. Luke Musgrave, 6.51 yards of separation. All right, let's take one more quick break. I want to go through the biggest plays of the game. And then kind of review some of the players and just kind of give some of my thoughts, including maybe a couple of the negatives. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, Biggest plays of the game. Number one, fourth quarter, third down, 11 yards to go. 
Justin Fields passed short middle intended for Darnell Mooney, intercepted by Quay Walker at the 37-yard line. Quay returns it somehow for a touchdown. Biggest play of the day. Basically iced the game. I it just it, it th- this was the point at which the game became it went from awesome to euphoric for me. I was having fun. I, I like like I said before, my son asked me why are you laugh like I was freaking him out like why are you laughing so much? I didn't know what else to do. That that's the honest answer why I was laughing so much. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how to react to the feeling that I was having inside of me. It was kind of weird. I mean my my honest answer was I don't know why I'm laughing so much. When he got that touchdown, I took off running. I just ran. I ran around the kitchen. I came back around to the living room. I, I shot down the hallway, just screaming, jumping, losing my mind, high-fiving. And then I just, I saw the score and I realized what happened. And it's just, I mean, Justin Fields threw just an ugly pick, which is awesome. I mean, just, it was so much awesome in one play. Justin Fields, garbage throw, garbage decision. Awesome. I needed, I really wanted that one just, you suck play, and I got it. Quay Walker with a pick, awesome. Turnover in general, awesome. Quay returned it for a touchdown. Breaking tackles, unbelievably awesome. We iced the game, awesome. And then to see the score, I just, I could not believe what was happening. That, that was when I, I broke in a very positive way. I, it just, I just kind of snapped a little bit. And I, I didn't know what to do other than to just laugh hysterically. It was the most fake and loud and obnoxious laugh ever. It was almost as if my TV was a Bears fan and I was just laughing in my TV's face. That was such a fun moment. Second biggest play of the day. Third quarter. Fourth down. Three yards to go. By the way, that, that first play, literally when the Chicago Bears win percentage went to zero. They had a 3% chance it dropped to zero after that play, (laughs) just so we're clear. Anyways, third quarter, fourth down, three yards to go. Jordan Love passed short middle to Aaron Jones for a 35-yard touchdown. What an absolutely clutch play that was. A little scary seeing him pull up, but man. And that, that, it didn't ice the game, but it semi-iced the game. That's when it went from like, all right, we're doing real good to like, dude, I I think this is over. Next biggest play of the game. First quarter, fourth down, one yard to go for the Chicago Bears. Defense holds strong. Stopping Justin Fields early in the game was an actual legit momentum shifter. For the record, this was the moment that the win percentage went from 50-50 down to 38% for the Chicago Bears. It went from anybody's ball game to this is pretty heavy Packers favorites right now. Next biggest play. Third quarter, second and three, Jordan Love pass, short right, Aaron Jones runs for 51 yards. Next biggest, first quarter, third down, eight yards to go. Jordan Love passes to Romeo Dobbs for an eight-yard touchdown. Followed immediately by first quarter, third and 13, 13-yard pass to Romeo Dobbs. Three more big plays. Should have done this in reverse order. That would have been more fun. 27-yard kick return by Keyshawn Nixon, which was followed by a 15-yard face mac penalty. Then we have fourth quarter, first and 10. Jordan Love fumbles the ball, picks it up, launches off his back foot to Luke Musgrave for 37 yards. 
And finally, third quarter, third down, three yards to go. Justin Fields sacked at the Chicago 18. Fumbles the ball, recovered by Razul Douglas. Now, you might say this order is ridiculous. Fair enough. This isn't necessarily my order. This is actually biggest plays by expected points added. In other words, these are literally actually looking at biggest swings in the game in terms of added points. So for that interception by Quay Walker, it was a negative 6.7 point swing. So obviously that fumble and then pass to Luke Musgrave was maybe the second or third or fourth. It was it was clearly top five play. But in terms of EPA, the fumble part doesn't really factor in. It's just a pass. They also have, by the way, biggest plays by win probability added. So that just kind of looks at biggest swings and win probability. And it's a lot of the same games that we looked at, but there's a lot more Bears ones. Hilariously, I went through every single play in terms of EPA, all the biggest plays. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, so the top 10 biggest plays in EPA, every single one of them was a Packers play. Every single one. I mean, half of them were Bears plays, but they were all negative Bears plays. Um, the, the, the other one that I didn't actually list that was also a, a Bears play here that was negative, hilariously, the win probability went from 0 to 0. It was actually the onside kick recovery by Jaden Reed. The biggest swing in um, win probability was when Jordan Love actually got sacked. Bears had a 31% chance to jump to 43. That was in the second quarter. Biggest one for the Green Bay Packers was right after that. Second quarter, third and 10, Jordan Love passed short left to Jaden Reed for 30 yards. It went from 39% chance for the Bears down to 27. But yeah, I, I, I love that one here with Quay Walker. They had a 3% chance of winning the game in the fourth quarter, and it went down to zero. That, that literally iced the game. Actually, we can kind of read this in, in, in a fun order. When we stopped Justin Fields, it went from 49 down to 38. The Romeo Dobbs touchdown brought it from 37 down to 32. Skip around a little bit. Um, the Keyshawn Nixon return brought it from 17 down to 13. 35-yard touchdown to Aaron Jones brought it from 14 down to 6. The Musgrave pass brought it from 9 down to 6. The Justin Fields fumble recovery brought it from 4% down to 3%. And then, yeah, the 3% down to 0% after the Quay pick. Such good stuff. All right, quick thoughts. And we'll get more um, actual in-depth looks at this when PFF comes out with their grades. And obviously, I'll have an opportunity here this week to uh, go back and watch this game, kind of get a better opinion. Um, Quick thoughts, though. The wide receivers I enjoyed. I don't know what happened on a route-to-route basis. I couldn't tell you. But Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs, I was very happy with. And that's good. Those are your number one and number two wide receivers. Dontavian Wicks, it doesn't sound good on term in terms of uh, returns. It sounds like he played maybe the most snaps. I don't know. May, might have him in that Lazard role instead of Malik Heath. Um, but, you know, as far as burying Samori Ture, that narrative kind of took a backseat because Ture was the only other guy that really did anything. Malik Heath and Dontavian Wicks were, were ghosts. But... Very happy with Christian Watson out to see Romeo Dobbs and especially Jaden Reed be able to step up. Offensive line, I don't really know. Again, I wasn't super thrilled with the run blocking, but I could just be wrong about that. The pass blocking, though, seemed solid. 
I was a little bit upset. I think I maybe just built it up in my mind too much in terms of this being one of the best offensive lines in football and the Bears having no pass rush. I didn't like that there seemed to be a collapsing of the pocket more often than I kind of expected, but it didn't materialize. And there were a ton of times where Jordan felt like he could have just stood there all day. So I thought they did a fantastic job. Tight ends. Um, I didn't know many of the other ones existed, but Luke Musgrave seems legit. I, I cannot wait to go back and see, and I'm hoping we're going to see something similar to what happened with Christian Watson. There was a play, and I could be wrong. It's one of those things. They run off the screen. There could be a safety standard right there, and I'm not positive it was Musgrave, but I'm just remembering it now, where somebody kind of did that thing where they slip right behind the linebacker and take off down the field, and I'm like, oh, hit it, hit it. That's going to be a big one, and, and Jordan threw it to somebody else. Again, maybe the guy was covered up. I don't know, but I just wonder how often we're going to see Luke Musgrave where you watch him and just go, you know, I feel like if we just force the ball, and I said this about Christian last year with, with uh, Rodgers, if he just threw it to Watson every time, we would have done a lot better. I wonder if there's going to be a hint of that with Musgrave. Maybe not. Um, Jordan Love, I feel like this was actually exactly what we've seen all preseason with Jordan Love. It's just if you take... All those, you know, two snaps or those two series that he would have in all those preseason games, if you take the two series and extrapolate it out over a game, this is about what it was. If you think about it, the guy scored on 50% of his drives. That's not a bad thing, you know? That's how it went all three preseason games. The first one, no. The second one, yes. And, you, you know, with Jordan, there, there certainly were some throws where it's like, you know, that wasn't even the first Musgrave one, even though he pulled up a little bit. I didn't think the throw was necessarily great. There were a couple other throws. I know the one that, that got punched out on the sideline, it should have been further to the sideline. The, the thing with Jordan, though, is it seems like his mistakes are not devastating mistakes. And I'm sure that's coming at some point. There, were, there, were, there was at least one pass where I was like, oh, dude, don't do that. But you, you got to remember, man, I'm watching quarterbacks airmail balls. I don't see that. A, a lot of what it is with Jordan is... That should have been five feet, or, or not even that much. It should have been like a foot or two further that direction. A little bit lower, a little more to the left. The only one I remember kind of sailing, I'm pretty sure Malik Heath ran the wrong route. Like he ran an in when he should have ran a curl or something. I don't know, but that, that ball placement made no sense. He, he threw it as though the receiver was going to be in line with where he was when he came out of his break, as opposed to, you know, going in that direction. His accuracy has not been that bad. So it's, it's minor stuff, and it may stay that way. I'm not saying it's going to get fixed, but I at least appreciate that the inconsistency, number one, is not catastrophic, and number two is not major. It's not like, oh, that was just ugly. It was just kind of like, ah, so close, but you just by a hair missed him there. Sean Clifford, fantastic day. Running backs already touched on it. Uh, Jones, fantastic. Dylan, definitely suboptimal. Patrick Taylor did great for coming in for what he was. Um, that's about it. Defense, again, it's kind of a, I can't, I can't speak to snap by snap, but man, I, I just thought across the board, man, everybody's just getting after it. Carl Brooks, you know, Colby Wooden, um, his statistics as, as far as like the next gen stats thing, apparently you looked really good. I don't know exactly what that materialized into, but I, I can't wait to go back and see it. Carl Brooks obviously had his, Devontae Wyatt got his, Kenny Clark had some plays. Um, we know Van Ness got some plays. Um, you, you just saw everybody kind of getting in there, you know. So Rashawn looked fantastic in his limited opportunities. 
Kingsley, I thought, looked pretty decent. So, um, happy. I'm sure some of these guys are going to have bad grades. It's going to happen because, you know, it's all about consistency. And, you know, you can have a sack and then be kind of bad the rest of the game. And, and it's not going to materialize in anything. But we'll, we'll get a chance to see that. I was happy with it. And, and especially since a lot of the negative is not being able to contain Justin Fields. You know what? This one Justin Fields, man. Or maybe there's two others. I don't know. But there's one. I mean, I, I honestly don't even know if Lamar or um, Anthony Richardson can escape the way he does. Just, just something about the guy. He just doesn't go down. But, um, you know, I, I think that's somewhat forgivable. Quay Walker and Devondre, I really appreciated how they played today. I really did. Quay, obviously, with the pick six. But I just thought that they were on point. Again, could be wrong. Look forward to going back and watching. Jair, I thought he looked fine. I know Clayton uh, made a comment that he didn't think he did. He did have a penalty, which is going to hurt his grades. Uh, I did not like necessarily the chippiness. Especially early, I thought there was a lot of stupidity. You know, I, I, to, to some degree, chippiness is good. I'm glad there's a rivalry. I'm glad, glad they freaking hate each other. But don't be stupid. Don't be Rudy Ford grabbing a guy's ankle and then pushing him over. I mean, there was just a lot of stupid stuff. And Jair, I mean, he could have got flagged like three times on that play. I don't think he did. I think somebody else got flagged. I don't know. But it was, it was just to the point where it's like, come on, man, don't, don't do this. But as far as just locking down the wide, I mean, what did the wide receivers do? Nothing. It really didn't do anything. And he, I mean, he, he also is one of the surest tacklers of the group. I mean, when he comes in, he's laying people out, again, except Justin Fields. So I, I liked it. I don't know. Um, Razul, I thought, looked pretty solid. I, th- I feel like early there might have been a couple things caught on him. I can't quite remember, but I know down the stretch, he, he pretty well locked it down. Keyshawn Nixon, I did not like. Keyshawn Nixon drove me freaking insane, and it's not just that passing touchdown. Go back and watch this game, and you tell me how many times he refused to tackle people. I've never seen anything like this in my life. He would stand there and just run with the guy, refusing to tackle every single time. I, that, that, that infuriated me. It was every single time. He just refused to do anything. And it's not that thing where you see a lot of corners do it, or so you stand there and you let them run to you and then you wrap them up. I mean, he literally just ran with the guy and refused to engage at all. And, and there were first downs given up as a result of that. I was really, really, really unhappy with Keyshawn Nixon all day. I didn't like his coverage. I can't even comment on his tackling because he refused to do it. It was just putrid. And then, yes, blowing a coverage and, and giving up a big touchdown, not my favorite thing. Love Keyshawn as a returner. I've said it all offseason. He wasn't really a good corner for us last year. I think we give him a lot of credit because of his return ability. But I've not seen him perform, in my opinion, this poorly. Now, maybe his coverage down the line. I mean, again, the wide receivers didn't really do anything aside from that touchdown. Maybe he did a good job of locking it down outside of that. I don't know. But that's, that's freaking unacceptable, in my opinion, to refuse to tackle the way he did. Safeties. I like Darnell Savage. There were a couple times where I couldn't quite pick out the number. There might have been a mistake where I thought maybe that was Savage that messed that up. Could have been Keyshawn. I'm not entirely sure. But from the times that I explicitly noticed Darnell Savage, I thought it looked good. I know there was a, a reception early, but it was also one of those where he came flying in. I don't think it was necessarily he was covering him in man coverage. I think somebody was wide open. He came in and laid him out. 
A lot of times you see that where Savage will come tackle somebody down the field. It's like, oh, of course it's Savage. You can't cover. Eh. Ford was another guy I wasn't a huge fan of. He laid the wood, which is great. He always does that. He comes in violent, just lays people out. I thought he killed a guy in the game at one point. Several people, actually, I thought had murdered people. I thought Innis Gaines killed Darnell Mooney. There was some hard hitting in this game, which is kind of cool, man. It's an NFC North, and we haven't seen like a, a, a black and blue NFC North kind of thing in a while. And this felt like, I mean, it was violent. And, and there genuinely seems to be hatred between the two teams, which I kind of like. But Ford was a little bit upsetting. I think he made, I, I'm struggling to remember exactly what it was. I just know there were a lot of mistakes. And that ridiculous penalty he got, where he's grabbing the guy's leg when he's trying to get up, he refuses to let go of his, oh, and that was after he got run over by the running back. And that's where, where I think the frustration came in. He wanted to show him by grabbing his leg and then when the guy tries to stand up, he, he pushes he lifts his leg and pushes him over like you're not going to get caught doing that. That's just not smart, man. Obviously. Um, who was it? I think it was Eric Wilson made a really big special teams play. I'm looking at some of the backups trying to think if anybody else. Somebody, I think, oh, what's his number? Because I think his number was like 43 or 45 or something. Yeah, 45. I think that was Wilson. Beautiful special teams play he made. Um, Ennis Gaines again blew a guy up. Love to see that. Otherwise, special teams. Daniel Whelan, I thought he did a great job. Murdered the football. Andres Carlson could not, literally not have had a better day. Uh, um, also, Daniel Whelan, great job with the, the holding. Uh, the, I think it was actually the long field goal was snapped about over his head. He grabbed it from way over his head, put it down, and got it down in time and in the right way. So just... I mean, really, just across the board. Again, I, I, and we'll see about the grades. I, I could just be wrong about it. Nixon and Ford were the two guys that I just was really unhappy with. I'm sure there were a couple other guys that generally didn't play very well. But, um, I mean, it was, it, it, it's a great win, man. When you beat a team 38-20, to 20, you had a good day. So uh, we are going to do that tomorrow. Uh, we'll, we'll go over some of the PFF stuff and whatever other um, goodies that I find for us to talk about. I do really want to dig into some of the laughing at the enemy stuff, and we're going to be doing plenty of that. But I got to go to bed. You guys have a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>